Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast live from Wimbledon in our Plan A position, our dry weather position. (laughs) Uh, I'd love to say never in doubt, but that would be a dastardly lie. But the important thing is we are here. We are overlooking Court 18. The covers are pulled across. It is 10.13 p.m. and we were hoping to be with you a little earlier on tonight for anybody with us live on YouTube. Hello. Thank you for bearing with us. Well, actually, thank you for bearing with Petra Kvitova. Yes. Because when will we ever learn not to allow our plans to depend on Petra Kvitova? Someday, hopefully, David, but today is not that day. Yes, I think our first ever emergency podcast was in 2014, and it was after I'd picked Petra Kvitova to win the either US Open or Australian Open and um, and then she lost in the first round so we had to convene an emergency podcast to discuss it <laughs> and humiliate me which was fine so thank you Petra uh, and on this occasion we set a time to come on air and she's got a great draw in Jasmine Paolini as I said the other day <laughs> except Jasmine Paolini played out of her mind Petra Kvitova didn't and it went into a third and then that third became a waste of time yeah, it was one of those annoying score lines, wasn't it, Matt? Where, look, if someone's going to win a second set and disrupt everybody's plans, fine. Good luck to them. But let it let it mean something. Let's have an epic third set. It was an entirely necessary, mm. unnecessary little bit of Jasmine Paulini. <laughs> uh, yeah. In the end. Yeah, I mean that uh, that second set affected us a lot more than it affected the match because <laughs> yes. yeah, all our all our plans were hinging on it. But uh, Petra Kvitova just has a way of making what's just gone before not matter. I mean, we talk about that with, with the way she plays. She can hit errors and it not seem to affect her because the next point she can, she can just hit a winner again. Uh, and this was sort of that elevated and made into, into this match. She just forgot about that second set. It was like, OK, fine, I've lost it. I've delayed the tennis podcast live and <laughs> I'll just win the third set 6-1 as, as I could have done in the second set. And uh, a, a player who we all have going deep in this tournament, that's why we needed the result for this match. You know, 
it was consequential for the tournament. We needed to know what happened. Yes, and uh, for full details of our newsletter predictions that we all make, uh, as lo- along with our newsletter predictors, prior to the tournament, we make predictions from quarterfinals onwards. For full details of that, do subscribe to the newsletter. It's free and it's excellent. But I think we should just disclose in this moment where we all have Petra Kvitova going. Final. So I was a bit edgy. One said all, and, and I, actually, a bit of a name drop coming here. I, I, I came out to watch um, Petra Kvitova trying to take it into that second set tiebreak, and I went over to our media centre there where there was a big screen. And I was also looking for Matt Roberts because he'd gone missing. Uh, <laughs> I was at my desk. Okay. Um, but uh, so I, I'm walking up to the screen and there's this, this incredible point going on. And then there's suddenly Petra Kvitova hitting a winner and giving it the full sort of down on, on the haunches, podge like this. And I'm like, whoa. And then somebody next to me said, well, that was, that was impressive. And I was like, yeah, it was Matt Verlander. <laughs> um, so sorry Matt so just didn't see you there I was too busy concentrating he does that though Matt Philander, doesn't he he's suddenly yeah. just there yeah. yeah we also had a Matt Philander encounter David yeah, we were just too modest we weren't going to we didn't bring it. it up yeah any good Lo- lovely, lovely as always right. shook my hand okay Matt where do you have Petra Gavitova going uh, I have just checked and I have her in the semi-finals I think I can't remember. You do. I think I also have her in the semis. Yeah. So it was it was an anxious time <laughs> for us. But Petra Kvitova is through on what has been, well, for anybody that listened or watched yesterday, will know that it was the start and the end of my weather forecasting career because I categorically said there'd be no rain today, didn't I? And actually, there was quite a lot of rain today. It's been. It's been another slightly weird day here at Wimbledon. Yesterday, the first result came in just after 3pm today. The first result came in just after 3pm. The difference today was that from about 2, 3pm onwards, uh, there was play on the outside courts. There was one little interruption, I think, or maybe one or two. But basically the afternoon, the latter part of the afternoon has been pretty clear, whereas yesterday was an absolute write-off and the less said about yesterday the better (laughs) I think but it was a very rain affected day first result of the day came in at 3.04 6 love 6-2 for Daria Kazakina over Jodie Burridge meaning that Kazakina the 11th seed had reached round three whilst there were still 69 first round matches that either hadn't yet started or hadn't finished Um, and there are still first round matches that either haven't started or haven't haven't finished quite a few of them. Yeah, there really are two different tournaments going on. There's the tournaments taking place on the courts with roofs, and there's the tournament taking place on the outside courts. And those those top seeds, those those players with the benefit of playing under the roof, are yeah marching into the third round. And yeah, there's still first round matches to be played on Thursday when we should be. We should be finishing the second round. Very confusing to get your head round. Uh, there was also a confusing part of the day where it was raining and there was no play on centre and one because uh, the roofs were not on. They were pretty pretty adamant that they wanted to play outdoor tennis today. And honestly, I understand that. But what I do find weird is that the worst thing that can happen if you put the roof on and it doesn't rain is people say 
oh well this should be an outdoor tournament but the worst thing that happens if you don't put the roof on and it does rain is you get a lot of faff and a lot of waiting around and a lot of people getting annoyed and unfortunately we were in that we were in that second category today and yeah it was just a little bit frustrating that the roof in my opinion wasn't on from from the start of the day just to get the thing moving get it going David was one of those people waiting around in the commentary booth David because you were covering the first match on court one Daniel Medvedev against Arthur Ferry which sure. was a fun time I described it Hannah on our Twitter earlier after a little potted, potted summary uh, of that match um, actually no she asked, asked for a potted summary of a different match and I described it in exactly the way that I described Medvedev against Ferry earlier which was a really fun time no jeopardy yeah I think that's fair and in terms of the start time it did feel a bit strange at the time being in the commentary box we're ground level and we can see the roof on um, up above and yet they weren't starting at the appointed time of one o'clock and the view I think was well this is a passing shower at the moment we want to play it outdoors so they delayed it um, to one fifteen, and then eventually to one thirty. And given that you've got this backlog of 87 matches to try to get through today, I was surprised that that happened. And then they opened the roof and the sun came in. And honestly, at that point, you're thinking, well, I kind of get it because it's just it's elevated this occasion so much. And I love it when it's outdoors. It, it is a, I'm glad they've got a roof on both of those two courts but it is an inferior experience to me overall if the weather's good. Mm. But I don't know whether you can afford to be that picky, personally. And then there was an interruption. And then they did bring the covers on. And they didn't close the roof. And they let it play out. And we lost some... So in the end, they were about an hour behind with that match. And, and you know, look, it's a judgment call. But, but I, I, I was quite surprised. Yeah, maybe they'd seen the same weather forecast I'd seen last night when I confidently <laughs> promised no rain Perhaps they today. were listening. We've all fallen foul <laughs> of, uh, of dodgy weather radars, haven't we? Um, should we talk about, seeing as we've talked about that, shall we talk about Daniel Medvedev against yeah. Arthur Ferry? David, as I said, you commentated on it. Um, I watched an Arthur Ferry interview ahead of this match. Everything I know about Arthur Ferry came from came from that interview that, that Russell Filler did for the BBC. I really liked him. He very much had the vibe of a player that's been through or is currently going through the US college system, which is mm. what he's doing. He's 20 years old, I think. Um, French parents, and I'm always a bit wary of um, national stereotypes uh, with regard to tennis players, but equally, I do think they exist. And I do think he resembles a lot more a traditionally French player than a traditionally English player. But he also has that sort of steel and chutzpah that the players that have been through the US college system tend to have. Um, his stature will probably hold him back. I know it's a sport that takes all sorts and we have seen slightly shorter top players. It's not, it doesn't condemn him to not ever being able to be successful. It's just going to be harder for him, yeah. I think. But he was a really fun time out there. And I think I think he made Medvedev have fun. I think Medvedev enjoyed playing someone like him. Yeah, I think Medvedev knew 
he's going to outlast him. He's going to be able to soak up whatever he throws at him. But I mean, I I did check check in with Dan Evans before the match to find out about Arthur Ferry because I have to say I knew less than you did going into that match. And he did say, look, he's got a great backhand and he is flashy, and that is a a perfect description of what I saw. He is he's got a naturally heavy ball strike. First of all, even in the, the knock-up, I was sitting next to Feliciano Lopez, who was doing the commentary with us on BBC Radio, and that was um, something that he he picked up on immediately. Good hands, heavy ball strike, and a, honestly, backhand list potential for the future, I would say. Or at least top 20 backhand list player. <laughs> Come on, we're going to have 20 on the backhand Ten? list. Ten. Five, it's no. five. Okay, he's not on the backhand list, <laughs> and he never will be. But it, it was a beautiful strike, um, and he he got had a few little openings. He had some break points. He he broke Daniel Medvedev's serve. Medvedev was amused by him. He was almost like a sort of fly <laughs> yeah. that he was playing with, and he was just sort of like, I, tell you, I'll, I won't swatch you. I'll just usher you out of my way <laughs> whenever you get too close and too pesky. Um, but I I enjoyed watching Ferry a heck of a lot more than. I have a lot of players of a ranking of 391 playing their first Wimbledon. I want to see more of him. He comes to the net all the time. He serves and volleys. a five foot eight, and he's serving and volleying relentlessly. He's chipping and charging. He's 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 a good time. And to to take your French player analogy, I'm afraid yes, it is symptomatic. It, it, he's full of flair, and it's a great watch. How good he's end up, going to end up doing, I don't know, but. He goes to Stanford. He's studying science, technology, and society. He's planning on pulling out of his final year, it sounds like. I mean, he didn't say that, but it sounds like he's going to turn pro now at 20. Um, We'll see, I guess. But I definitely want to watch him some more. Medvedev, don't know how much you can learn from it. He played a thoroughly professional top five player in the world against somebody who's from the home nation playing out of his mind type of performance and he won in straight sets that's enough I guess and he kind of said that in press afterwards didn't he he said I don't I don't really think I was playing at my best today I don't know how much I can take from that match Um, I sort of asked him in the press conference afterwards to just talk about himself on grass because I just haven't seen that much of it and he said that (laughs) Well, he actually said he doesn't have the feelings on grass yet that he actually had at the start of the clay court season. He said he he knew at the start of the clay court season that he found something on that surface and that he was playing well. And of course, he, he told everyone that before Rome, which he went on to win. And he gave a very interesting analysis saying that he used, he used to think that his game would really suit grass because he had these flat shots and he was always playing on outside courts and they were really quick and his ball was just, you know traveling through the surface and causing opponents problems but he says that now he plays on on the show courts they're actually much slower and he he does think that players who hit hit with a bit more spin that does actually help them even on a grass court so he's he's still finding his feet i think on grass and the, a, an opponent like ferry who who didn't give him all that much rhythm was maybe uh, just you know a good test overcome for medvedev but bigger tests await including in the next round Adrian Manorino who drove Medvedev nuts. The ultimate pest. Yeah great grass court player drove Medvedev nuts the other week when they played and Medvedev really lost that his head. That was on grass wasn't yeah, it? Yeah Medvedev really lost his head against him. Well on oh, the subject excellent. of that yeah. it, was, it was a fascinating <laughs> press conference. I know we 
we say this after every Medvedev press conference we attend. <laughs> this one was particularly good, I think, because there were so few people in it. There was a moment there, Matt was a few paces behind me, where I thought it was just myself and Charlie Eccleshire from The Athletic, and it would just be a sort of intimate chat. In fact, I think Charlie then turned Matt around and was, it was a little bit disappointed to see me, because he, <laughs> he thought he had scored himself a one-on-one with Daniel Medvedev. But it was one of those press conferences where you could ask follow-ups without concern that... Right other people were being denied questions um, which was great because I was able to drill in with him about something he'd said on the court about how taken aback he was by the crowd reaction to him Um, and he went into even the the positive reaction that is he went into even more detail in the press conference said he was really touched he was not expecting that and I think there has been a lot of trepidation from him, from other Russian and Belarusian players about how they'd be received here this year. And I think, now that I think about it, I think, well, of course. Of course you would be. Um, and he said he's been so over, he was so overwhelmed today by how warm they were towards him. It's made him want to repay the crowd for their support with, with good tennis and also good behaviour. He said he he said he wants to give back to the crowd, and I asked him what does giving back look like, and he said it's not behaving like a like a selfish kid on the court, which I can do sometimes. And I did feel like saying, Daniel, on behalf of people that often sit in the crowd and watch your matches. Maybe behave like a little bit of a selfish kid sometimes because that's quite entertaining. Even if just for us. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was re- it was fer- it was sweet, wasn't it? It was especially. Like, You've been nice to me. I'm going to be nice to mm. you. And especially given what we know that you know about Medvedev's relationship with crowds. You know, I always think back to that monologue he gave after the Australian Open final in in 2022. It really did affect him how the crowd were responding to him as much as we joke and laugh and Mm. love it it does also get to him um i do i do think that it's not going to take much for you know the heel turn to come and suddenly he'll be he'll be an enemy again i'm so relieved it'll take adrian manorino i think exactly i really think adrian manorino could uh could cause that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it, it was a it was a great press conference and actually it came in a sequence of press conferences that I went to Daniel Medvedev he was followed into the press conference room by Iga Shiontek. Um nothing of major note from her nothing of major note from her match against Saras Ribes Tormo other than that was not the match that Saras Ribes Tormo marathon tennis player wanted it was over in a blink of an eye she won only two games it was your yeah. classic Iga Shiontek bagel situation yeah it was a 100 meter sprint and Saras Rebus Tormo had trained for a <laughs> 5,000 meters exactly that yeah. um and then I went to Francis Jaffo's press conference um I actually accidentally went to uh Anastasia Potapova's press conference beforehand because there was some juggling and a little bit like? of confusion at the time. <laughs> it's always such an awkward I, moment I when sitting, you accidentally end up was, in the wrong press conference. Was, Especially if you turn around and say, sorry, I wasn't here for you. Well, they sort of did do that. <laughs> I was in room two with a lot of other people waiting for Francis Yaffo and then Anastasia Potapova showed up and I, as delicately and politely as I could, <laughs> excused myself. <laughs> 
I tried to warn you. I texted you, but the text came too late. Came too late. The worst <laughs> had happened. Anyway, I came back and I went to Francis Tiafoe's press conference. He had just beaten, beaten um, Yu Wee Bing of um, Wu Yi Bing, rather of. Uh, of China earlier on, a quite a slightly bizarre match, actually. A very tight first set taken by Francis Tiafo, um, and then uh, Wu Yibing started suffering from uh, fast heart rate, and it seemed to be something that he suffered from before because when the trainer came out onto court, he he was giving the trainer instructions, wasn't he? He was mm. like, "This is my heart rate. You need to measure it here. This is my baseline. This is what you need to do. Let's let's go off court." Um, and he did resume resume the match um, after quite a, a long medical timeout off court, and Jaffa was just too good in the end. Um, and he's oh, he's just so great. You came back in yeah, such I a f- good mood from I this Jaffa really, press conference. Yeah, it was it was. I was just like, can't I wanted to sort of say. Let's be friends <laughs> at the end of it. Can you, I go can, on your party bus? I want to go on your party you, bus. You, me and Bianca Andres. That is not a euphemism. <laughs> he actually has a party bus. It's uh, a Netflix reference. Yep. Okay. Um, and he said, <laughs> he said he's here to, quote, make some noise Good. this year. Whereas before... His ambition, he said, before I've come here and I've I've wanted to do well, but honestly, it's been wishful thinking. He said, now he feels like he has a shot at it. And by it, he meant the title. Ooh. Great. He said he's in his prime. And he said the meaning, the meaning of that for him is it being all about the big events. And interestingly, he, I mean, obviously he means, by that he means the Grand Slams, but he actually separated out Wimbledon and the US Open. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I suppose I, I also think he should be equally ambitious at, at Australia, in Australia and at the Open there. But I do think those two places, they just the surface here yeah. suits him. The, the vibe suits yeah. him in New York. And I'm, I've got to the bit of his episode, which I keep falling asleep during, not because it's not good, but because I, I'm not very good at staying up late uh, in my elderly age. But he, I've got to the bit where he's just beaten uh, Nadal and Wayne Ferreira's first words are, we haven't finished yet. Mm. And there's, there's, there's very much a vibe of, we haven't finished yet, about Francis Tiafa generally at now. I, he's not just about the show. And thankfully, the show is still part of his whole setup as well. Well, yeah. after, after he said those, um, those lines about feeling like he has a shot at the title I um I put my hand up for a follow-up and I said what what specifically is it that's made it feel different this year is it winning Stuttgart is it coming here off the back of a title or is it what you did at the US Open last year or is it something else maybe and he said it's the Open he said everything changed after that US Open love that me too mm. because being there it felt like it felt, it felt like it was changing in real time it changed how I mm. thought about it yeah 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 and that was the magic of it because just as just as David said it was changing and yet he was still putting on the show he was still Francis Tiafoe he didn't didn't lose that element and he gained this focus and this drive and this hunger I think and yeah he's he's kept it going and Honestly, hearing that he targets Wimbledon and the US Open sort of even more than the rest of the season, 
makes me feel good because I feel like he's had quite a good season already and now we're just entering into sort of to quote Taylor time. Fritz his time you know <laughs> oh it, it actually was Taylor Fritz's time he's still here turns he out was it right. was yeah it turns out <laughs> it was Taylor Fritz's time he did come back and beat Yannick Hanfman Yannick Hanfman <laughs> selective memory because of predictions <laughs> Yannick Hanfman played terribly today mm. I mean honestly those, those two days worth of thinking about being being in a fifth set against Taylor Fritz didn't go well for Yannick. It Hampton, must be it must they? be very hard for tennis players, I think, to to be sleeping overnight on results like that. I mean, it happens, but it doesn't happen that often, and it's just totally against what you're training for and what you're prepared for. You know, tennis is mm. long and grueling and arduous, and to to suddenly have to come out and resume a match. You know, I think it was pretty much deadlocked in the in the fifth set when they resumed. You know that there's probably only going to be about a maximum of, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes tennis. That is all mental, I think. You know, that is... The winner of that match from there is who handles that situation mm. better. And that's big for Taylor Fritz because he's had some really early exits at Sam's recently. I think the rain helped him, honestly, um, because you know he was in trouble in that match, but he he dealt with it the the far better today, and hopefully now he's into this tournament. Mm. He's got through that first round, and he can he can show what he can really do on this serve. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Plenty of players were in that same position that you just described, including Dominic Team and Stefanos Sitspas. Oh, oh, we're going there. I'm going <laughs> to get this. 
<laughs> they resumed on court two today, and of course they went to a fifth set, and of course I got lured in. You did, you did. I felt my heart started to hurt for you when I realised what was happening. I wasn't on that court, but the moment that you said that, sent the note mm. about where we were and how hard it would be if he didn't win, but that you... St- you felt, you must have really felt that, that this is different. What made you feel that? For Dominic Team. Yeah. He was playing so well. Right. I Dif- differently to how you've seen in yes, recent I times. Yes, didn't, I didn't have the same anxiety about his forehand. Look, it was not Dominic Team 2020, 2019 forehand, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't, it wasn't as catastrophic as it was in Paris. There were improvements, I thought, on the forehand side. Yeah, I felt like the grass was actually helping him and the and the quicker surface, you know, very much against the Dominic team of his prime. But the problem in, in Paris, and we watched that match very closely where he lost, lost there to Pedro Cachin, is he was hitting a lot of good forehands, but the slow court meant that Cachin was getting them back and he was having to hit four or five good forehands and he wasn't capable of doing that. Whereas on the grass, he was actually capable of hitting through the court, hitting winners. You know, that's the thing with Dominic Team when he gets himself in these matches because you feel like you're walking such a tightrope between he absolutely needs to win this kind of match, a close one against the top player. It's going to do him the world of good if he can win it. But equally, it feels like if he loses it, it's just going to sort of damage him even more. I just hope he only needs to win one in order to get over that hump. But how? I mean, that is. Did Sitsipas wrestle it from him? I mean, think? certainly compared to how he was playing yesterday, Sitsipas really stepped it up. You know, it, it, went to, it went to a fifth set so. tie break. I would say the difference in the to be extremely um, reductive about it. Sitsipas made more first serves in that tie break and that's match tightness isn't it because team had I know this because Apostolos Sitsipas was on the phone giving a, a potted review of the match behind <laughs> me on our way back from it's, it's a bit of a trek back from court number two and because a big match had just finished there were every gangway was thick with crowds um, and Apostolos Sitsipas it seems to be his thing he gets on the phone to someone goodness knows who yep. immediately great to find out, immediately <laughs> after the match he's speaking in English um, so presumably not an immediate family member somebody anyway and he was giving a review of the match and he said yeah Dom, Domi just served really really well and he, he did until until it got really tight mm-hmm. um, I don't think he played a, a bad tie break um, but th- those those finely tuned seven all in the tiebreak. Yeah. He missed uh, he missed the short forehand into the net. Dominic Team yeah. did all that, all what Matt said. Yeah, that's mm. the difference, isn't it? Mm. Um, so and and, and yeah, I, I, I went to Team's press conference mm. afterwards, and he 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 said the, the sort of things he said after Paris. I'm getting closer. <laughs> I'm holding my head high, is what he said. Um, Did he talk about moving in the right direction? It was that vibe. He said... There's uh, hope, there's hope. He said he's still able to compete with the big boys. Yeah, Uh, I'm starting to believe. He he felt like he (laughs) played well, he showed fighting spirit. There were lots of good signs, and there absolutely were. There were. Um, 
but he's just he's just not getting over the line. Well, he gets to go and play some clay court two fifties now. <laughs> So maybe you can it'll play the Casper Rood swing. <laughs> maybe it'll happen for him there. Um, Imagine if he faces Casper Rood every week. Let's dwell on Stefanos Sitsipas a little bit longer. He has now earned himself the chance to play Andy Murray tomorrow. It'll be his first ever match on centre court. Oh, Stefanos right. Sitsipas, that match scheduled third on. Um, and a, a lot of people were interested in the angle of their US Open match of a couple of years ago that was full of all sorts of hoo-ha and, and nonsense, after which Andy Murray questioned Sitsipas's length of bathroom break, and subsequently there was a, a bathroom break rule introduced, mm. curtailing the um, the maximum length of a bathroom break, and Sitsipas said he was devastated that one of his heroes had spoken ill of him. It was It was all sorts of melodrama. Sitsipas wasn't having any of that. He said, we've put that behind us long ago, all is fine. But there was still quite a lot of stuff in his press conference. Matt, you were there as well. And I'm really glad you were because I'm struggling to process what he said. I mean, I haven't either. (laughs) (laughs) He said, to quote him directly, that this is the most empty he's ever felt after a loss. After a win. Oh, sorry, after a win. <laughs> to quote him directly and inaccurately. The, the, lo- the loss was the sexy French depression in, uh, against Stan Wawrinka. The most <laughs> empty he's ever felt after a win. Mm. And I asked him to explain what he meant by that because in his original answer where he'd given that line, he talked a lot about... It was a question from Matt Futterman of, of the New York Times who asked him about how poetically he speaks about the clay and how clearly he loves that surface and does he have any of those same poetic feelings about grass and he gave that line about emptiness and then he tried to expand or explain it a little bit and he said he felt he said he feels clean after winning on grass whereas after winning on clay, you feel like you've really earned it in a more physical way than you do on grass. You've literally dirtied yourself in the name of victory. That all makes sense to me, yeah. but it doesn't add up to a feeling of emptiness. That's what didn't make sense to me. So I asked him to elaborate, and he couldn't really explain it. SOS here, Matt. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know what he means. No, I other don't. than it can't be good. I don't either, because you asked, is that a good thing or a bad thing, this sort of feeling of emptiness? And there was a part of me that maybe thought, like, maybe it was a good thing, because we have spoken about Sitsipas in the past in terms of, I don't want to say caring too much about the sport, but tennis being, being everything in his life. Yeah, I, I, yes, I thought he might. The reason I phrased it as, is this good or bad, is because I thought he might have meant a kind of lightness. Right, exactly. Yeah, me too. We were having the same <laughs> thoughts. But then he didn't, he didn't explain it like that. And it, and it he ended up... He started talking about returns. <laughs> yeah, and he it lost me. It didn't go where it, I thought it would yeah, go. And, and it ended up coming across as a negative feeling. Yeah. Ultimately, I read... I'm left sort of reading more into how he delivered what he said than what he actually said, which is, I don't think it's good in tennis terms. 
um, you know, Instagram would suggest he's extremely happy, lovely, great. Maybe he just doesn't care about tennis as much as he used to. Fine, but... Well, his career's not going that well at the moment, <laughs> overall, is it? I mean, relatively speaking to where... If you'd have told me four, five years ago, the st- four years ago, when he beat Federer at the Australian Open and then when he had that match against Favrinka, I know he lost it and he was devastated, but it very much felt like the start of something. And look, he went on to reach the French Open final, leading Djokovic two sets to love. These are all good, great things, good things, and, and he's, he's having a good career but he's not making the strides, the next strides that I was expecting. I did not expect to be thinking about him playing Andy Murray and expecting Andy Murray in 2023 to win that match. And that's what I feel. That's what I'm expecting. Same. So he's probably... I mean, maybe he, he maybe he's frustrated. Look, it's a, he's won today. So that's good. And, and 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 he might go and beat Andy Murray, and then that might clear everything up for him. But but I still feel like there's a there's an there's an uncomfort a lack of comfort about where he isn't in his career right now. It's not. Mm. It's just a bit aimless. Mm. Unlike Novak Djokovic, great segue there from me. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, unlike Novak Djokovic, three sets for him against Jordan Thompson. Was it the match of your dreams? David, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel somewhat vindicated about feeling like it was going to be a good contest. I do think it was a good contest. You know, it wasn't like you, you, you use the word jeopardy. Yeah, There's a this, lack of this jeopardy. This was the other match that I. Described I do understand as that. You know, fun, no jeopardy. There was never a moment that I thought Novak Djokovic is going to lose the match. I did think he might lose a set. I mean, he was up four five thirty all with Thompson attacking him and kind of not not executing when he really needed to and then when Djokovic held for five all there was an explosion of emotion from Djokovic a real sort of run towards the crowd punch in the air and a roar and it was actually great to see him dialing in at that moment elevating getting it into the tie break which he obviously won uh, because I think he's only lost four tie breaks out of 20 all year Um, but yeah Thompson did what I thought he would. He attacked him. He, he threw everything at him. I think he gets too down on himself. I think you know he needs to maybe be. He probably wastes energy by a lot of chastising himself after not executing blooming difficult volleys and things. Imagine how down on himself he would get if he didn't have the hype guys in his players box. Oh, they are into it, aren't they? Wow. <laughs> Leighton Hewitt is a shrinking violet in there by comparison to the rest of them. Uh, but they're into it and they're, they're, it's very much a, us against Novak, which mm. you probably need about eight of you really to stand a chance. Um, but I think for Novak Djokovic that was the perfect workout he got pushed his reactions were heightened he was having to come up with shots he was having to work out things in his game that weren't really working that well I mean he, his his returns by his standards were not, not great and yet his serve was at 80% first serves in so he was able to rely on that but there were other elements of his game that weren't quite on and yet he's won in straight sets with two tight sets in numbers two and three. He's had a bit of jip from the crowd, just isolated pockets who he's zoned in on and he's decided to give them the full sort of finger to the ear at the end just to, to shut them up. And, and if you're a Novak Djokovic fan, I think that that is 
exactly what you want to be seeing in the second round of Wimbledon. You know, a little bit of a test, passed with flying colours, bit of defiance, perfect. To continue the theme of yesterday's pod of emails from the referee's office amusing me, I was greatly amused by the fact that as soon as Djokovic went 6-5 in that third set, the email came through to say that Petra Kvitova versus Jasmine Paulini had been moved to centre court. They knew that Djokovic had guaranteed himself a tie break in that third set, so the set was over. That's great work from the referee's office. It really is. Very efficient. Yeah. In the end, he broke, so he didn't even need a tie break. And yeah, I mean, he's won he's won eleven tie breaks in a row in slams now. Would be quite year. funny if there'd been another three hours. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are your moves in that position? Yeah. Well, we know that they're not afraid to send a correction. <laughs> Fair play. We, um, we've all done it. Couple of other bits and bobs from the men's matches today before we move on to a few more of the women's. Ben Shelton won on his Wimbledon debut today, beat Taro Daniel. Um, could play Maxime Cressy in round two, although I think Maxime Cressy is doing his best to try and make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, he's currently out on court one. His match got suspended for light on one of the outside courts, got moved because it's a first rounder and they're desperate to try and get as many first rounders finished as possible. He's two sets to one down to Laszlo Gera. All the sets have been a tie break. They've been, they're in another tie break now. We'll keep you posted. But if it is Shelton against Cressy, I think David is going to ask to be assigned to it because you can, <laughs> you can just pretend it's the 90s, David. Just watch serve and volley tennis for the best part of four hours. Yep. Uh, they loved him, <laughs> Ben Shelton. Mm. They loved him out there. And look, who, who knows? It's incredibly early days for him. But if he can go on a run... He's in Murray's section, isn't third he? Third round, that yeah. Potential third round. Would love would to see it. Oh. Watch. Oh, that would be perfect. Would watch. Really. Um, Sebastian Corder lost today to Yuri Vesely. That is. A, I mean, I say it's a shock, and it is a shock. <laughs> I think we've just broken the news to Cameron Matthew. Just gave a just gave a huge sigh. Oh. <laughs> and he's not even in the predictions. He hasn't even got him in his semi-finals like I have. Seb Do- Corder. Do you know, I didn't have him in my semi-final. Uh, the, honestly, the whirlwind roller coaster <laughs> that I've been on with Seb Calder over the course of the last 10 days because when he put in the performance he did against Dan Evans and a few others at Queen's and then I think Tiafo beat Tiafo, beat Dan Evans, then mm. he beat Francis Tiafo, then he comes into press and he says, I'm a threat at Wimbledon. I'm a new guy now since this injury. I've got a new body. I've got a new attitude. I've got all the same talent I used to have. I'm a threat at Wimbledon. I was high on that. I went for it big time. And then he put in the performance he did against Carlos Alcaraz in that semi-final. And I know that's Carlos Alcaraz. He went on to win the title. But he wasn't very good. He was flat. He was poor. He was poor. Um, And it wasn't the performance... It wasn't a performance that matched up with the guy that I saw in that press conference or the, the guy that I'd seen play in the previous matches. And... People that are threats at Grand Slams don't throw in performances like that, especially not when they're talking themselves up. So having been somebody that was buying into Sebastian Corder being a threat at Wimbledon for the title uh, a mere week ago, I'm now somebody that's not surprised to have seen him (laughs) lose in the first round today. Mm. What what a wild ride. Mm. I think I was 
buying into your hype <laughs> and therefore did put him in the semi-finals. But honestly, look, Yuri Vesely, who he lost to today in four sets, I think would come under the category of tricky. And, Definitely. You know, that Definitely. is not an easy draw. He's beaten Monfils, Team, Fanini, Zverev, Schwartzman at Wimbledon in the past. He's he's tricky and he's agricultural. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a he's big. He's a combination. Um, I don't think but Corder, threat, threats at Wimbledon win that much. Right, it, it's a tough scene to say you're a threat at Wimbledon and then lose in the first round. Like it just is. <laughs> I, I did notice in the next round he was slightly rowing back from it. Yeah, he was. In his press conference quotes which again, I... which if you were really a threat, yeah. you wouldn't do, I suppose. And <laughs> I don't think Corda has gears. Ooh. I don't think he has. Ooh. I don't think he has an elevation. I think we're. I think we're very sucked in and. Um, sort of taken by his poise and his control his sort of stability on the court and when it's all working it's great but if he's a little bit off I don't think he's got anywhere to go I don't I think that's fair yeah when, when he's when he's off yeah. I mean I think he's got gears in as much as he can be not very good and he can be really really good right but, but those aren't the right kind but of the, gears but no. the problem is if he starts badly he doesn't seem to be able to do anything about mm. it. Like Felix. Yeah. Yeah. There's there is some of that. that. I, mm. I think we need to see one of those wins. He needed to win that today. And I don't know whether physically he might have been struggling. Um, but I, it's not the first time. Mm. It's not the first time. Remember that match against Hatchinov here a few a couple of years ago where there were oh, crikey, goodness yeah. knows how many breaks of service in the final set. He beats Medvedev at the Australian Open, and I know he got the, the really bad injury, and then he's had the one at Queen's. He's got some stuff to, to work out and to prove, yeah. Uh, last one before we move on to the women. Matt would like to cancel Holger Rune. <laughs> what? Over to you, Matt. What's happened? Well, look, you're free to have opinions, unless that opinion is that the one thing you want to change about tennis is that we should get rid of juice and have it be sudden death which was his answer to the question in the press conference today. I'm sorry, but I find that offensive. How did that come up? He was asked, what would you change about tennis? And he said, I would get rid of Deuce and I would make it sudden death to make it more fun. That, that guy has been spending far too long in the company of Patrick Moratoglu. <laughs> it's the only conclusion I can make. How can a tennis player think <laughs> like that? Why, why Patrick Moratoglu? Why, what's the well, relevance there? The ultimate old, tennis showdown. That's speeding what they tennis up. Speed, yeah, he said, make it shorter, right. make it more fun. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do that. Everyone has a right to their opinion, and we have a right to think that opinion is trash. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> trash. And, and uh, look, of all the, the elements of the scoring system, the two that I love the most are the tiebreak and the advantage system. I love watching players in a due situation with the pressure mounting and they're trying to get out of this issue this precarious situation and the other guys the other players trying to put the pressure yeah sorry Hogger not with you there no no, nobody is uh, we've covered <laughs> Petra Kvitova finalist of course have you got her playing Svantec in the final no because they're in the same yes half. I do no they're not no. because everything's messed up because rain 
Yes, I've got the meeting in the final. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've covered Shrond- yeah. We've covered. I've, I've got Kvitova beating Sabalenka, which is the big, the big okay. result, and I, I really hovered over that one for a while. So we've covered David's two finalists, Shrontek and <laughs> Kvitova. Phew. Um, Elise Cornet won today, which means we get Cornet Rabatkina in a bit oh, of should have been yesterday news. Uh, big yes, please for that one. What else happened in the women's draw today? We lost the eight seed. Maria Sakkari in what I'm again going to call an upset that's not an upset, which is what we always say about Maria Sakkari, isn't it? When she loses early at a slam, which is kind of consistently happening now. Um, I would say there were there were a couple of incredibly critical rain delays in this one. One in particular, because I watched the opening stages of this match uh, from my flat uh, because I could see that it was raining because you're going to be or about to rain whatever time it and is i spent most of my day yesterday having chosen the wrong trousers being incredibly damp <laughs> so i was trying to make better life choices today so i watched uh the first set of kostyuk sakari from my flat and kostyuk was awful absolutely awful it looked like there was something going wrong like she she could not time the ball at all there were there were the sort of errors and shots and decisions that professional tennis players just don't make. Um, and then they rained off. I think it, I think it was actually five love in the first set. Um, but w- with the first set gone, they were rained off. And then they came back and Sakari was kind of the same. But Kostyuk was a different player. She showed up. Um, and she was t- suddenly timing the ball so sweetly, which is which is what she can do. And there ended up actually being a second rain delay. I think they were on serve at that point in the first set. Um, but this was an incredibly emotional victory for Marta Kostiuk. Uh It was love six, seven, five, six, two in the end. She sunk to her knees and sobbed two separate times. Um, on the court after winning and she actually said in press that she had a huge cry during both the rain delays and she said that was like a release right. for her and I actually thought it was a fantastic sort of mental health advert for crying and getting this yeah. stuff out there because um, it worked she honestly came back onto court looking unburdened by whatever was burdening her in that first set. It's the first top 10 win of her career in 15 attempts. Mm-hmm. And it's her first win over Sakari in three attempts. Um, who knows what it means? I, I don't quite know how good Marta Kostiuk is yet because when somebody breaks through so young, like Kostiuk is at she the Australian 15, Open, right? 15 years old, she was she was kind of the Maria Andreeva of a few years ago. Yep. You just assume they're destined for great things because they're so ahead of the curve at that stage. You assume they'll continue on that curve, and Kostiuk hasn't. But there's been a pandemic and there's been a war in her home country. Yeah in that time and there still is so it's incredibly difficult to know how good she is what her baseline is what her what her par is and perhaps she doesn't even know either but I'm really pleased for her today Sakari this is her least successful slam it's the only slam where she hasn't reached the second week so in isolation losing here early not a huge deal in the context of where she's at 
part of a pattern of Maria Sakkari becoming a bit of an irrelevance at the top level? Yeah, I think her sort of current status in the game, still a, still a top 10 player, still a high seed at these tournaments, is, is no longer really reflective of what she's going to do in those tournaments you know I think I think her past five slam results she hasn't hasn't got beyond the third round and that that's off the back of 2021 where she was really a threat at the slam she reached a couple of semi-finals and it's, it's a totally different story now um yeah given given the record that she had against Marta Kostiuk uh I, I and the fact that she won the first set here I think it's a bad loss for Zachary. Um but I really was taken and impressed with Marta Kostiuk. I think she she showed the full range of her game in that in that final set. She's an incredible athlete. Uh, she's got she's got real weapons off off both wings. Um, and she said something really interesting in the press conference afterwards, which is that. She said, sometimes the idea of what tennis is for me outweighs the actual tennis. In, the, in, in her mind, tennis is such a big thing. But she said that the invasion in Ukraine has made her realise that there are way more important things than tennis. And actually, she's, she started to sort of branch out in life and sort of do other things. And one of them was something that we mentioned, like her, her fits and her dresses and everything she's been wearing recently with Wilson has have, have been brilliant we've sort of really talked about that and she said she's she's involved in sort of the design process and getting involved in that and oh she's a good designer right because that kit is it's, exceptionally nice yeah it's uh mm. it's 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 posing with the trophy worthy kit I mean I'm not predicting Mark Costa to win Wimbledon only six way. to go <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's yeah, it's kit worthy of a yeah. trophy. Agreed. It yeah. would look good next to the trophy. Is yeah, is I, what I I'm don't saying. love talking about kit in relation to women because of you know the con- the connotations it has had in the past. But it's brilliantly nice kit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just think I just think she's got a better perspective on the game right now, and mm. um, I would I'd love for her to make a run and oh, me just. Too. As you said, see what the upper limits of her yeah. of her talent are, because there have been some flashes. I'm just thinking she's taking Zachary's seeding effectively. Yeah. Where does that leave her? This um, is a live podcast, David. Try not to throw his curveballs yep. that we potentially well, don't have the answer well, to. And we haven't really looked at Zachary's draw because we didn't expect her to do anything. <laughs> so She plays uh, Paolo Bellosa. Oh, the right, there you round. go, see? <laughs> mm. Who... May so, or may not be focusing on the mixed doubles, <laughs> and so she's playing yes. somebody who's nursing a stress fracture in the back. But won today and has entered the mixed doubles, which doesn't necessarily scream stress fracture in the back. Sitsadosa no. are playing mixed doubles, folks. That is the news that I have for you. They are playing Jessica Bagula and Austin Krychek in the mm. first round, who are the top seeds but have a terrible record in mixed doubles <laughs> other than one run to the US Open semis I think okay. a lot of first round exits um, Mira Andreva a youngest woman in the draw won on her Wimbledon debut today straight sets for her over Wong Ji Yu um, 
we've covered Svantec, we've covered the fact that Elise Corne won today, meaning she faces Elena Rabakina. Um, on court 18 today, there were two stoppages for Just Stop Oil protests. Um, I know there's been a lot of fear about these protests um, that have been happening at major sporting events in the UK. To me, it felt kind of inevitable that something like this would happen. The fact that it happened on court 18 suggests to me that that was kind of the the biggest show court that they felt like they could penetrate. It wasn't um, the powder that they have been distributing um, during some of their protests. It was confetti. Mm. Um, and it was... F- f- I mean, they had the leaf blowers on standby from, from Monday's hoo-ha. So <laughs> the leaf blowers came out again to, to clear up the the protesters' confetti. Unfortunately, during the the first interruption... This was during Grigor Dimitrov's match, which he eventually won on court 18. The protesters did their confetti thing. Everybody rushes to attention, gets out there to, to get rid of the confetti. And then the rain comes at exactly that time. So they have to cover the court. And the confetti is sort of preserved underneath the <laughs> the court covers <laughs> in a very unfortunate way. Um, but anyway, everybody was able to to resume uh, as I say Grigor Dimitrov won the second protest happened during the resumption of Katie Bolter's match against Daria Savile she's talked about kind of what she did Katie Bolter to try and keep her focus and, and gentlemen the grounds will be closing in around 15 minutes please make your way to the exit gates and make sure you take all your belongings with you okay well, you enjoy your day here at Wimbledon we have. Thank you very much. Thank you. We can't do that just now because we are live on air. But we will. <laughs> we will leave the premises at the soonest, <laughs> soonest available moment. Um, yeah, Katie Bolter uh, kept her cool very well indeed. So she was interrupted in the first instalment of the match yesterday by the Princess of Wales. Mm. Then she gets brained off all day, has to come back 24 hours later, and then she's interrupted by by protesters. Very impressive win for her, I think, to come through that in straight sets. Yeah, because the, sec- the, the second protest intervention actually took place, I think, at 4-2 in the tie-break in that first set against Savile. And you're stopping... And look, it's, it's affecting both players. Uh, I'm well aware of that. But I do feel like, in terms of the, the two players' expectations... Savile definitely wants to win, of course, but she's returning from an, an anterior cruciate ligament injury. There's not much pressure on her. She's doing incredibly well to have got to this point, and I suspect she's going to, fitness permitting, make incremental improvements over the next six months. For Katie Bolter, this is really big. She's just got to British number one for the first time. She's backed it up with a title in Nottingham, and she's at Wimbledon. She's 26 years of age. She's been waiting for a chance to to make a run. She got to the third round last year, but there were no ranking points at all, so she got no benefit from that in the rankings. She needed to win that match. She needed to, I think. think. You know, if she's serious about... Because what she needs to do is get into a ranking position that gets her into automatically into all the WTA events and all the Grand Slams without any conversation. Because she's probably got a game good enough and big enough to win the rounds that keeps her there and then she can build but if you don't win today you're automatically on the back foot well she did win today 
And I think, fair play, that there was a lot of pressure there and she handled it. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Very impressive from her. Uh, Barbora Krejcikova was a winner today over another Brit in action, Heather Watson, straight sets. Um, it was slightly questionable medical timeout for Krejcikova before Heather Watson was due to serve, I think, to stay in the match. Yeah, it was at 5-6, uh, 6-5 in that, in that second set. She had her ankle or foot mm. tapes. I mean, there was there was a lot of stuff put on the foot. But we have seen Krejcikova do that before. Uh, but I must say, that final game made me wish I'd seen more of the match because it was an absolute thriller, the final game. Watson, Watson kept saving match point brilliantly and brilliantly, but... Krejcikova was playing well, I thought, in in the little bit of this match that I did see. And, um, yeah, I think she plays Andreva in the next round. She does. Yeah. Would watch, will watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what have we got tomorrow? I think that match isn't tomorrow. Although, who knows? Because who could say? Who could say? Thomas Let's find Martin, out, it's your very face. <laughs> uh, tomorrow on Centre Court we start at 1.30 with Liam Brody against Casper Rude uh, then it's Elise Corne against Elena Rabakina yes please and finally on Centre Court tomorrow Andy Murray taking on Stefanos sit to pass court number one is Alexander Zverev against Greg Gilles Brewer not Greg Gilles <laughs> I knew that uh, then it's Sloane Stevens against Donna Vekic. That's a yes, please. Yeah, big yes, please. And then Jessica Bagula against shout out to Reggie, Christina Bookshire. Reggie's here. Oh, Reggie's there. Oh, on, Reggie. Reggie. <laughs> You're going to get locked in. <laughs> They've told you to leave, Reggie. <laughs> Are you going to queue overnight for Christina Bookshire? He has to go home and sleep. Okay. okay. This will be the one she wins. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure we even know his surname. He's such a mystery. I do, but do, I, I don't yeah. know whether he uh, he wants that Nobody publicly needs, revealed. He's, he's like Prince. We don't need to know Reggie's surname. Just Reggie. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Reggie. Reggie. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's probably got locked into Wimbledon. Um, what else do we have tomorrow? Uh, I had it up on my screen and then I got distracted by Reggie. We have Elisa Mertens against Alina Svitolina, first up on court two. Karatsev against Rublev, Daniel Collins against Belinda Bencic. Wow. That's a good match. Great matches, lineup on court Isn't two. Isn't it? Medvedev oh. against Manorino last up on court two. Okay. Uh, Echeverry Rinker on court mm. three. Garcia Fernandez. We can do the entire wow. pole vault just on Somehow court Somehow Carolina Mukova and Yulin Niemeyer haven't played yet. They're first up <laughs> They've on been on the order of play for about three days, haven't they? Um, Katie Bolter back in action against Victoria Tomova. Berrettini and Sonigo. They haven't finished. We were watching that earlier. They were hugging. I don't, well, don't know why. <laughs> what well, mid-match? Yep. They were hugging each other, I think, because they were both in agreement that the surface was far too slippery to play. They both fell at the end of that third set. And yet the referee and umpire didn't think it was too slippery to play. And uh, Berrettini threatened to sue someone. It was all, <laughs> it was all kicking off, but... Then between them, it was all lovely and friendly. And eventually they did go off due to a slippery surface while the 
while the other courts were still playing. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll be back on that slippery surface tomorrow, <laughs> second on. Uh, Tiafo's back in action against Dominic Stricker, who I haven't watched that much of, but my brother, who watches a lot of challenger tennis for, well, probably less now that he's got got more on his hands. Um, but my brother thinks Dominic Stricker's really good. I think he might be agricultural. I think so too. Mm. He looks like Kevin Bridges, the <laughs> Scottish comedian. Um, the, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> the doubles starts tomorrow. That's that's what the schedulers need, isn't it? <laughs> Can't they give it a couple of days? <laughs> Alex de Menor has to come back and finish his first round match against Kimi Kopians. That managed, was brilliant. Managed to lose the first set of that down yeah. here. Yeah, that you know you just get that atmosphere, and the players must feel like the centre of the universe. Annette Contivate won today. It's her final tournament. Of course, she gets to come back tomorrow on this court behind us. Here, she gets to take on Marie Buzkova. Taylor Fritz gets to come back tomorrow. Oh, my goodness, it's all happening. Krejcikova Andreva is indeed tomorrow on court four. Ouch. If you've got a ground pass tomorrow, yeah. get yourself third there. on court four, get yourself to Andreva against Krejcikova. That is cracking. Look, there's brilliant matches everywhere you look tomorrow what a treat Matt's going to have another stressful one so should we, we should probably <laughs> wrap this up so that Matt can go and just sit in a dark room and rock back and forth contemplating another crazy day we have our Wimbledon mascot she is Erin she's lovely we have our mascots I've got Xenia we still only got result in one result in Xenia and it, it wasn't a disappointing um Yannick Hanfman situation but well done. we will have three predictions in play once again tomorrow so exciting times David's got Maisie yeah did Siniak ever get to play or was she called off she was a very early postponement oh, okay mm. right okay. and Matt has got Darwin Honestly, I've been keeping track of so many predictions. I've no idea whether I was played today or not. Okay. If you don't know, there's no hope for any of us. BC. Find out. Subscribe to the newsletter. You can find out in that. It'll go out tomorrow morning. It is free and it is excellent. There's a Matt stat. There's a 90s off between David and Matthew. It's called King of the 90s. All sorts Mm. of fun stuff going on in there. Uh, We have Billie Jean, who is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Hello, Billie Jean, if you're listening. Squirrel? (laughs) (laughs) We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah, Andrew and Matt. We have shout outs. We have Jason Lee in Washington, D.C. Like Jason Kubler. Hello, Jason. Yeah, fourth round last year, Jason Who Kubler. I think was two sets to one up the last time I looked today. Probably back on the schedule tomorrow. <laughs> Probably. It's decent bet, isn't it? Uh, hello, Jason. Right, Jason. Hmm. Jason uh, listens to the podcast with his husband, Isidro. A Ooh. Spanish name. And they have a cat called Aristotle. Oh, that's a good name oh, for a cat, isn't we it? We like that. Mm. <laughs> we like that a lot. Excellent. Cheers, Thank Jason. you, Jason. We've also got Adrian Grubler, which is a bit like Kubler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Double Kubler in the shout-out. <laughs> yeah, obviously Adrian Manorino. Yeah. You are so pumped for Adrian Manorino against Daniel Mevido, aren't you? I I yeah. do I do love the idea of less than twenty four hours yeah. on from him saying I'm on my best behaviour. I'm on my best behaviour, clearly. <laughs> the ultimate test. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's just the worst brought out of him by Adrian Manorino. I don't usually love uh, stats which are player X has a bad record against people from this country. Medvedev really does have a bad record against French players. Does he? Yeah, Manorino's got a winning record against him. I think Umber, Simon, he just, he Why just generally... Why would that be, I wonder? Is that just a quirk? Probably, right. yeah. But, uh, yeah, and like obviously it. Manorino beat him recently. So, yes, I genuinely am very, very keen Thank to watch Thank you, that. Adrian, or Adrien. Mm. Yeah. Adrien Grubler. Yes, lovely name. And finally, we've got Robin Hodge from Melbourne. Hey. Hello, Robin. Like our mate, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Robin. Or Hello, Robin. Robin Montgomery. Or Robin Suddling. Definitely a more famous Robin than Robin <laughs> Montgomery. Yeah. Who weren't we talking about players that back up a, a big moment? Mm. And I, I always feel like his second French mm, Open final gets lost in Absolutely. the conversation about Robin Sutherland. Yeah, and, so and he right. beat Federer in that tournament. Yeah, mm. and I yeah. think that's really, really impressive. Two great Robins, three great Robins, including our mate Robin. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. Thank you to all of you who are friends of the Tennis Podcast, who support us year-round to do what we do. We are tremendously grateful for you for doing that. And if you would like to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast, the link to do that is in our show notes, as is the link to subscribe to our newsletter, which is an absolute no-brainer. Smash that like and subscribe button. See, I'm, I'm growing in confidence. Smash that <laughs> like and subscribe button. That is another way that you can support us. Leave us an Apple podcast review. Tell your friends and keep on enjoying the show, however you're enjoying it. Live on YouTube, recorded on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We are loving doing them live from Wimbledon every way, every day, every way and every day. And we will be back tomorrow. We'll speak to you then. 